This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a TGIF wake-up call, a steamy one here in the Northeast. Temperature is going to get close to 100 today. It's supposed to be, I think, 98 degrees. They're saying the heat index is going to be uh, in the around 105, so uh, even hotter than it was yesterday. Uh, I know we're not unique here in the Northeast, but uh, add the humidity to it, and it just, you know, you go outside, you, you can't breathe. But uh, anyway... Uh, we're cool inside here. I hope you're cool where you are. Hope you're safe and stay safe uh, in this heat, especially uh, if you've got some older people in your family. Make sure you check on them uh, to make sure they are okay as well. Um, so we're going to start the show this morning talking about the Field of Dreams game last night. Now, you know, we talked about it on the show the last couple of days that it was coming. And, um, you know, look, it was basically a made-for-TV event when you think about it. But I am going to say this. Major League Baseball delivered in a big, big way last night. There were instant chills when the pregame ceremony started. I literally had chills up and down my body. And, I, you know, you're going to say, what, what does it matter with you? You know, but Kevin Costner walking out of the cornfield you know, onto the onto the field. And, you know, kind of in character, you know, looking around in awe. And then all of a sudden behind him, the members of the New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox in their throwback uniforms also all walking out of the corn. And, you know, him just kind of looking at them as they walk by. Some of them, of course, coming over to shake his hand. And uh, just... Amazing. And then he slowly walks to the infield. They had a microphone set up and he said, it's perfect. And it was perfect. It was the perfect showcase for the game of baseball. And I mentioned this on social media this morning. I don't care whether baseball is your favorite sport or not, like it is mine. I don't care if the NFL is your favorite sport, whether it's football, hockey, basketball, soccer, what have you. No game, no sport can capture emotion and romance and bring tears. And yes, I did tear up last night. I, I know I'm a big sap, but and I'm not the only one, by the way. You know, there was so much talk about how you're just watching these guys walk out like that. You know, that, that iconic movie, that movie that means a lot to a lot of people. And to see them walking out of the corner, I, I literally teared up. 
There is no other sport, and I don't care if you're a football fan. You're, you're, you're not going to get romance at a football game. Baseball is part of the American fabric of our life. Whether you're a baseball fan or not, you have to admit that the game of baseball is, is like apple pie. Like the hot dog and the hamburger on a cookout on a week uh, on a summer day, it's part of the fabric of this country, and that was on full display last night. Only eight thousand people in the stands last night, but it was, as Kevin Costner put it, perfect. Um, it, you know, and it was weird in the beginning of the game. Joe Buck mentioned this on the broadcast last night. It was like, it was almost like the fans didn't know how to react, you know, because they were in such awe of the fact that there was major league baseball players playing a game in their state, which has, you know, that's not happened before. Maybe some barnstorming, but an official major league baseball game in Iowa for the first time ever. A lot of these people that were at that game last night we're seeing their first major league baseball game live. And they almost, you know, it was, it was, there was almost like a reverence. And then of course, Jose Abreu hits a home run in the first inning into the corn and then all bets were off and it became a wild game. And if you're major league baseball, you could not have asked for a better product last night the Chicago White Sox won the game nine to eight but it looked like the White Sox were gonna ha- you know it was gonna be a romp and then the Yankees come back and take an eight seven lead into the bottom of the ninth inning and then Tim Anderson with a two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to win it for the Chicago White Sox, the team that Shoeless Joe Jackson played for. The, you know, the, the, the famous scene in the movie when he comes out of the corn and he's wearing a White Sox uniform and it's all about the, the White Sox and the, the guys that were banned from baseball. And to have the Chicago White Sox win that game in the bottom of the ninth last night, if you didn't know better, you would think that it was scripted just like the way the Field of Dreams movie was scripted. You could not have asked for anything else. It was perfect. And it was fun. And, and... You know, now was it wasn't played on the actual field that the movie the movie was done on because that field was deemed to be too small. That field is actually behind uh, the the stadium that was built by Major League Baseball for this game last night. But everybody had a chance to go over to that field, and you know they were talking about you know having a catch. Joe Buck and and Kevin Costner having a catch, and there were you know people that uh, families there you know, the fathers and sons out having a catch on that field. Uh, Liam Hendricks, who is uh, uh, the closer for the Chicago White Sox, talked about uh, how much he loved it and made the tour of the farmhouse and walked in the cornfield and walked on the field. You know, just guys really ate this thing up. It was nice to see the players getting into it. You know, Aaron Judge, you know, it was funny. Uh, Aaron Judge was born 
Um, I want to say, what, uh, a couple of years before the Field of Dreams was even released, but that his dad had introduced him to the movie. It became a favorite. He said, there's guys on the Yankees that have never seen the movie. But even if you haven't seen the movie, and, and by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, you should. Even if you don't like baseball, you should see the movie because it's not just about baseball. But you had to appreciate the the drama last night and the romance, and it was just and a picture perfect ending, as I said, with with Tim Anderson with the home run and his fireworks going off as he's rounding the bases. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and what's cool is. Rob Manfred actually did the right thing yesterday and announced that Major League Baseball will be going back to Iowa next year for another game. Uh, You know, the teams that are going to play on it to be announced. I assume they're going to leave the stadium up because they had to do a lot of work to put it there and it cost a lot of money. Now, maybe they're going to take it down. I guess it depends on, you know, what the, how the farmer feels about his, uh, his field being taken up, but um, they're going back. You know, and, and how long can they ride this? I mean, is it something that they can do every year? You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, all, all the years they had a Hall of Fame game um, in Cooperstown at Abner Doubleday Stadium that a couple of teams would play in. And, and they haven't done it the last couple of years because of the pandemic. My assumption is they're going to plan to go back there and do that. Um, you know, can they do this forever? I don't know, you know, and, and, and is it, will it lose the romance and the, the, uh, uh, the attraction that it had for this first one? Yeah, it'll lose some, but I don't, I, I think there are people that will want to see this every year. It's fun. I mean, you know, the fun part about it is like when the home runs are being hit and they're going into a cornfield, Right. You know, uh, it's fun. You know, it's just such a different setting than what we see with these monstrosity ballparks in the middle of cities. And this is in a cornfield in Iowa. It is it is what baseball is. It is what, as kids, when we grew up, I used to play baseball growing up in Ledger, Connecticut. We played in a field, we played in a a field that at one time had been a cornfield, and now and then it became a pasture for cows. But that's where I first started playing baseball with my friends. When we would play in a field in the middle of the, I was in Ledger, Connecticut, which you know, but until Foxwoods Casino grew up, nobody had ever heard of Ledger, Connecticut before. It's a little cow town. That's where I grew up. And that's where most people grow up is in these little towns and they're playing in, in these, these fields and, and, and these parks around the country. And, and so seeing that game last night takes us back to our childhood about, hey, I used to play, you know, in a setting very much like that. We may have been playing in a field that used to be a cornfield, but right across the street from where we were playing, there were corn, there were, there was a cornfield. You could hit a foul ball and it could go into the cornfield across the road. So it was just, it, it was perfect. As Kevin Costner said, it was so emotional for me. 
you know, it really was. And and I know I'm not the only one. I was watching, you know, t- t- today's show this morning. And Savannah Guthrie, who's not, you know, she's not a big sports fan. Well, she's a tennis fan. That's her big sport. But she was talking about how, you know, that it, how emotional it was. Harry Smith, who was their big reporter, he's been around he's forever. He's in his, you know, late 60s. And, you know, he's like, hey, I'm not crying. You're crying. And it, it what that's the kind of moment that it was. So congratulations to Rob Manfred. He actually did something right, you know, and being persistent about this and making sure this game got played this year. It was the absolute best advertisement for the game of baseball that you could have. And, and I, you know, again, I like hockey. I like football. I like basketball, all the, you know, but you are never going to be able to duplicate something like what happened last night with any other sport. I mean, I guess in some ways uh, hockey has tried that with their outdoor games, but they're playing them in these huge arenas. Now, the one they had last year uh, during the pandemic, where was it? Was it in like Lake Tahoe or something? And it was kind of a an interesting setting outside. That one was a little bit closer to, you know, playing in your on your backyard pond. But by and large, I mean, basketball, you're never – you just – you can't replicate it. You just can't. I mean, I guess if basketball wanted to have a game at a an outdoor court, they're not going to do that. But if they wanted to, if you had it on an outdoor court, and you know, maybe. But it, I just it, it it was just it was the whole package last night it was just amazing. So anyway, that's enough about that. But. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to them going back next year. And the game, I guess, is going to be on uh, a couple of streaming servers. I think Peacock is going to have it on. And I'm sure Fox Sports will probably rerun it at some point today. You didn't watch the game. You should at least watch the opening. Uh, watch some of the game. But, to, you know, to, to see the whole thing. And Kevin Costner was on with the announcers for a couple of innings. And it, it was just it was fun talking about stories about the game, uh, about making the movie. Uh, and about the thing that uh, all the things that were going on around the field of dreams yesterday before the game happened, it was just it was a cool moment. So you should check it out if you haven't uh, if you didn't watch it last night. So from that, we go to uh, the Red Sox game yesterday. Now the Red Sox played at four o'clock in the afternoon, so you know the Red Sox game was essentially over before the field of dreams game started. It wasn't over, but I had clicked it off because the game was over. So after putting up 20 runs on Wednesday night, 20 runs and 19 hits on Wednesday night, the Red Sox come out yesterday and got a grand total of two hits and one run. Got beat 8-1. to one. They fall five games behind. The Tampa Rays, again, the only saving grace, again, was that the Yankees lost. <laughs> uh, the Rays end up losing. I mean, the Jays end up losing, so the Red Sox don't lose any ground to those guys. But at the end of the day, it was a, we're right back to where we were before. You know, uh, yesterday, if they had won that game yesterday, you had an opportunity to get within three, and people are starting to believe you got the Orioles coming in this weekend who stink. You know, maybe you can sweep the Orioles, and all of a sudden you you make it uh, you make things exciting again. And as somebody said this morning, I can't remember who it was on social media. They said, "Look, if the Red Sox don't sweep the Orioles this weekend, or at least take two out of three, 
it's panic time in Boston. And they're absolutely right. If the Red Sox lose two out of three this weekend to the Orioles or, God forbid, get swept, just put a fork in them because it's done. But uh, it was about as disappointing as disappointing could be. And Tanner Houck, for five innings, was spectacular yesterday. He had given up just one run in the third inning. They brought him back out for the sixth. And uh, a single by Brandon Lau. And then Wander Franco with a great at-bat. 11-pitch at-bat. Actually, it was a 12-pitch at-bat. And uh, sends one out to center field. Home run. It actually hit to the left of the yellow line in center field, but caromed back off the the wall. It was the strangest thing. I've never seen this at Fenway before. It, it caromed off the wall and went into the stands for a home run. And it was a hell of an at-bat. By the way, Wander Franco, who was hitting like uh, uh, 243 overall, against the Red Sox, he's got to be hitting 400. He's killed the Red Sox. He stunk against everybody else, but he's killing the Red Sox. But the other thing I'm seeing today is everybody's like pissed off that, well, Alex Cora left Tanner Houck in. You know, you let him in, you let him go six innings. You let him go a third time through the lineup. You know, you shouldn't have done that. You should have taken him out after five when you had. Look, everybody's been killing the Red Sox starting pitching because they haven't been going deep into games. And, you know, complaining because Alex Cora has a quick hook and taking guys out too early. And now everybody is a freaking expert and want to say, well, you know, everybody, uh, all the analytics people will tell you, you don't let a guy go third time through the lineup, especially how, you know, they've been very careful with that. Don't let him see a guy for the third time. I don't want to hear that. Baseball has been around since the 1860s. It's been around for 150 years. And for 145 of those 150 years, nobody worried about a third time through the lineup. You went out there, you took the baseball, and you tried to get outs for as long as you could until you ran out of gas. Do you think that Walter Johnson or uh, Sandy Koufax or Bob Gibson or whoever, Roger Clemens, you know, do you think they were worried about seeing a guy for a third time? Do you think managers were panicking because they saw they were going through the lineup for a third time? Cut the crap. How about we just learn to make adjustments as pitchers instead of saying, oh, well, we can't let a hitter see him for the third time because they're going to crush him. Well, how about if the pitcher figures out how to pitch, which they did for 145 years? You can't say that we got to take guys out before they see a guy for a third time. You know, that's part of the problem with baseball today. This analytics BS. Learn to make adjustments. Same thing with the with the hitters. You know, well, we're only going to let this guy hit against lefties because he can't hit right. How about you learn to do it? Because it's what people have done for 150 years. But now we're going to baby everybody and we're going to analyze this thing to death until we rip the soul from the game. You know, the same day that we're talking about the field of dreams and the romance and baseball and how great the sport is, you got crap like this where, oh, we can't let him see somebody for the third time. Jesus, Mary and Joseph.
Learn to make adjustments. And I'm not yelling at Tanner Houck. I'm talking about pitching staffs. I'm talking about managerial staffs. I'm talking about front offices. How about you coach better? How about you say to guys, hey, all right, now look, the third time through the lineup, let's figure out what we did the first two times, and now let's do something different. Even if you were successful the first two times, let's do something a little bit different to show them a different look. God forbid we do that. So I don't have any problem with Alex Cora leaving Tanner Houck out there. And by the way, you don't have to look any farther than this. So they take, they let Tanner Houck go, they take him out, and what do they do? Josh Taylor, Hansel Robles, uh, Diaz, and Rios. Those four stiffs come out of the bullpen. They give up four runs, three hits. They walked five friggin' guys. Tanner Houck hadn't walked a guy in five-plus innings. He had struck out eight. But these clowns come in and walk five guys, give up three hits and four runs. And you're going to tell me that that was a better option than leaving Tanner Houck in the game. You can't make that argument. And I'm tired of hearing stuff like that. Now, having said that, it's a tough loss. Red Sox have lost 11 of 13. And, you know, look, they got to figure this out. Chris Sale is going to pitch tomorrow. Nick Pavetta will pitch today against the Orioles. Chris Sale pitches tomorrow. Erod goes on Sunday. You've got an opportunity for a three-game winning streak against one of the worst teams in baseball. You better get it. The Red Sox are going to have some help soon. Kyle Schwarber was supposed to start a rehab assignment in Worcester yesterday. His doubleheader was rained out there, so he didn't play, but there is a chance he won't play there. There is a chance the Red Sox are just going to bring him up and say, here you go. Because they've got to do something. Alex Verdugo is back. He had gone to California for the birth of his first child. He's back. He'll be in the lineup uh, probably uh, tomorrow. Christian Arroyo is getting close. Ryan Brazier is going to be coming back from Worcester probably next week. There's help coming. The problem is if you don't sweep this weekend, it may be too little too late. But last night was tough. 20 runs on Wednesday, one run on two hits yesterday. Brutal. 29 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on a Friday morning, Friday the 13th. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't buy into that stuff, but uh, Friday the 13th, hopefully it'll be a good day uh, for everybody across the country. Um, not a good day for the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. Shohei Otani got the start for the uh, Angels against the Blue Jays yesterday. Otani was pretty good. Uh, went six, only gave up three hits. He did give up a couple of runs. Uh, what well, didn't have his best stuff, but he was pretty good. He moved to seven and one. His ERA now two point nine three on the season. Jose Barrios got the start for Toronto and struggled. Gave up six runs and eight hits. Walked four guys in those four and a third innings. Bullpen did a nice job, but by the time they got the bullpen in there, uh, the horse had left the barn. Uh, 
the Angels end up winning a 6-3. Otani went one for three at the plate in addition to uh, uh, his his work on the mound. Uh, Vlad Jr. facing Otani for the first time in his career went one for three, had a single, uh, also walked once. Um, the two guys that are probably facing off of the AL MVP, I know Otani's going to win it. I still don't think he should, you know, but that's just me. I think Vlad Jr. is such a dangerous hitter. Uh, Vlad Jr. is hitting 311. You know, Shoei Otani is hitting 268. I know he hits a bunch of home runs, but Guerrero's hit almost as many, and Guerrero has more runs batted in. You know, I, 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 I guess you say that the Otani pitching thing uh, puts him over the uh, the top. I just I, I have I have so much trouble buying into this hype. I'm, and look, he's a special player. Don't get me wrong, but I just I'm tired of listening about Shohei Otani. Uh, having said that, he's five and zero oh, uh, in ten starts at Angel Stadium this year with an ERA of under two. So uh, he's he's uh, he's been pretty good, especially at home. Uh, the Angels did announce yesterday that Anthony Rendon is having hip surgery next week. He will be out for the rest of the season. He's got a uh, uh, an impingement in his hip, and uh, he signed, of course, a free agent contract worth $245 million uh, this past offseason. But uh, they expect him to be healthy for spring training, but they're going to shut him down now. I mean, the Angels are out of it. They're, they're at 500, but realistically, uh, you know, they don't have a chance at the playoffs. So it makes the most sense, I think, uh, and, and obviously they think, to shut him down. I mean, the Angels are seven and a half behind the second wild card and 11 back in the AOS, so they're not going anywhere. Uh, so probably the, the smartest move for them. Um, the Blue Jays will move on to face the Seattle Mariners in a weekend series that starts today. Robbie Ray, uh, who's been real good for Toronto, 9-5 and five with a 2.90 ERA, will pitch the game tonight. Uh, with the loss yesterday, as I said, both the Rays and the Yankees lost, so the Red Sox maintained their lead uh, for that second wild card spot over the Yankees and Toronto. But the Sox are five back at Tampa. Yankees are seven back. Toronto is seven and a half back. So that's where we are. One other American League East note, by the way, uh, Chris Davis, who plays for or has played for the Baltimore Orioles, has been out all season and was going to miss uh, the rest of the season after having surgery in May to repair a uh, la- the labrum in his left hip, uh, announced his retirement yesterday. Uh, he still has one more year left on a seven-year, $161 million contract. So that pays him, what, about $25 million bucks a year or 20, $23 million bucks a year. Um, he hasn't earned it. I mean, uh, you know, this was one of those deals where the owner stepped in and said, we are signing this guy long-term. Chris Davis led the major leagues in home runs in 2013 with uh, 53. He had uh, 47 of them in 2015. Signed that massive deal after the 2015 season and did absolutely nothing. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's brutal. Uh, look, he hit 168 in 2018, and went at one point in 2019, he was 0 for 54. He was hitless in 54 straight at-bats. Uh, only had 55 at-bats last year, hit 115. So, you know, I mean, uh, and what he's done uh, by retiring, and he has restructured the deal so that he is going to have the, a lot of the money deferred. He's going to do kind of like the Bobby Bonilla thing where uh, he'll get like a million bucks a year 
over the next 20 years. Gay, smart move. It gives you guaranteed income. Uh, he's only 35 years old, but he is uh, uh, his body has given up on him. So uh, he f- retires with 295 career home runs in 13 seasons uh, with the Orioles and the Texas Rangers. But Oriole fans will be thrilled to hear that Chris Davis is finally going to be off the books. Um, National League East yesterday, the New York Mets uh, with a big doubleheader sweep of the Washington Nationals. They win the opening game 4-1 to behind Marcus Stroman. Uh, Stroman had a uh, shutout going into the sixth inning of the seven-inning game. Brandon Nimmo did all the damage in this one. Uh, went two for four, drove in four runs. Uh, that included his uh, third home run of the season. Uh, Nimmo's got his batting average up to 293 now. You know, I tell you what, if you're the Mets, you have to wonder, boy, what could have been if he had stayed healthy all season. Uh, but uh, they end up winning the opening game 4-1. to one. Big big win for them. They needed it. Uh, Edwin Diaz picked up his 25th save in that game. Then in the second game of the doubleheader, uh, the Mets had a 2-1 lead going into the bottom of the uh, – or excuse me, into the uh, – a 4-1 lead going into the top of the seventh. Washington scores three runs to tie it, but then uh, they win it in the bottom a – Walk-off home run by none other than the home run derby champion from the All-Star game, Pete Alonzo, uh, with one out in the bottom of the seventh inning for Alonzo. It was number 25 on the season. Uh, it came off of uh, Finnegan, and the Mets come back to win that one. Jerice Familia, who blew the save, ends up getting the win. Uh, his sixth win out of the bullpen, which, by the way, if you've won six games out of the bullpen, it means you're not doing your job because more often than not, it means you're blowing games and winning it because your offense bails you out. Uh, but uh, So the Mets sweep the doubleheader. They move to 59-55 and 55 on the season. And with the other results yesterday, the Mets find themselves from third place back into second place now, and they are only half a game behind the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, as uh, I believe it was, uh, yeah, Pete, Pete Alonso said yesterday, this is the show-me stretch of the season for the New York Mets. They have a road trip coming up, or a series of games coming up, I should say, against the National League West. And it starts tonight, the beginning of a three-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. If the Mets are for real and they're going to be in the playoffs, they are going to have to take care of business with these games coming up against the Dodgers and the Giants. You know, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Tyler McGill, who has been very good, the rookie, uh, will get the start tonight. He will go against Julio Urias, who is 13-3. But the Mets have got to get two out of three from the Dodgers this weekend um, I mean, it's look, it's not the end of the world if they don't, but if they are for real and they want to really be contenders and not just make the playoffs because, you know, look, uh, even if they win the division, they're going to be heavy underdogs to whoever they play. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that simply because of the lack of pitching that they've been getting this year and the number of injuries that they've suffered to some of their key players in their, their batting order as well. But this is a big, as Pete Alonzo said, show me time for the New York Mets. Uh, they got some help yesterday to get themselves back in the second place because uh, the Cincinnati Reds drilled the Braves yesterday, 12 to three. Jesse Winker, a grand slam in the second inning. 
And then, by the way, the Reds added four more home runs on top of that. Uh, so the Reds win that one easy. Uh, and look, you know, that was a big game for the Reds as well. You know, they're trying to chase down a wild card position. They are now just three and a half games behind the San Diego Padres for that last wild card spot. The Padres find themselves in a position now where they might not make the playoffs. It seems unfathomable earlier, but the Padres got hammered yesterday by the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who have a league-low 36 wins. No team in Major League Baseball has won fewer games than the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they beat the Padres yesterday and beat the hell out of them 12-3. to You Darvish uh, left the game with lower back tightness, but by the time he left the game with lower back tightness, to be fair, uh, this game was already over. Darvish ends up giving up uh, five runs and six hits in two and two-thirds innings. You know, and then the, the beating just went on after that. So a, a brutal game for the Padres. And the Padres, as I said, just three and a half ahead of Cincinnati now. They are nine back of the Giants for the division. So forget that. They are four back of the Dodgers for the number one wild card. But what they've got to worry about right now is the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, those two teams will face off again. It's a four-game series. The Padres have got to bounce back. They will send Blake Snell, Mr. Jekyll and Hyde, who was great last time out, stunk the time before that. It's pretty much been his modus operandi all season. Madison Bumgarner will get the start for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's been their best pitcher this season. Uh, you know, But look, the the, uh, the Padres have so many guys on the injured list with Tatis is out, Jerickson Profar, Drew Pomerantz, uh, two third, you know, two fifths of their starting rotation in Denilson Lamette and Chris Paddock. I mean, it's band aids and bailing wire for the Padres. But by the time they get healthy, it may be too late. Uh, the Phillies with a win yesterday, they beat the Dodgers two to one, so they avoid a sweep of that series. And it was the Bryce Harper show once again. Bryce Harper uh, with a home run, his twenty first of the season. Uh, Phillies had just four hits in this game, but they win it two to one. Bryce Harper has been unconscious. We've talked about that, you know, for the last couple of weeks since July 2nd, 36 games since July 2nd, he is hitting 328 with eight homers, 23 runs batted in and an on-base percentage of like 45%. And the Phillies to no one's surprise are 23 and 13 over those 36 games. Bryce Harper has moved himself in a position where he's being talked about about a, as a possible National League MVP. But uh, a big win for the Phillies yesterday as they maintain first place. Ranger Suarez, a guy who, by the way, started out the season as a closer for the Phillies for a while. Uh, they stretched him out. He went four and a third yesterday. He only gave up three hits and one run. Um, ended up throwing, uh, I think, 82 pitches, which is, I think, the most he's thrown all season. Dodgers went with a bullpen game. Uh, Harper hit his home run off of Mitch White uh, in the first inning. And uh, that was all that uh, pretty much that they needed. Uh, the Dodgers now, as I said, play, the, play uh, the Mets. The Phillies host the Cincinnati Reds for three games starting on Friday. 
So the Padres are hoping that the Phillies can do them a solid and take care of the Reds this weekend. Uh, the other team in the National League West, everybody taking a look at, of course, the San Francisco Giants. Guess what? They won again. Giants won their fifth in a row. They shut out the Colorado Rockies uh, 7-0. Lamont Wade Jr., a three-run bomb in this one. Uh, Logan Webb, six shutout innings, picked up his sixth win of the season, lowered his ERA to 2.96. Just uh, these guys just find new ways every day, and that's with guys that, you know, they still don't have their full complement of players back. Amazing. Uh, you know, it helps to play the Colorado Rockies, who, by the way, away from their home field, they are 13-43 and 43 on the road. That is the worst record in Major League Baseball for any team on the road. Uh, so it'll be uh, Austin Gomber uh, is going to pitch tonight against the Giants. He's 9-6 and six with a 3.79 ERA. He came off of uh, six shutout innings off of Miami, so he's... On a bit of a high, he's pitched pretty well for that Rockies team. The Giants will counter with Anthony DiScalfani, who was 10-5 uh, with a 3-2-8 ERA. But he has not won uh, a decision in his last four starts. He's 0-2 since beating Washington back on July the 10th, so he'll hope to turn that one around tonight. 45 minutes past the hour, we've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Friday morning uh, as uh, we wind things down, getting ready to start the weekend. Uh, The Patriots played their first preseason football game last night, and as I said, I did not watch one snap. (laughs) Watch the highlights later, but I did not watch one snap. Look, with a Field of Dream games on last night, there was no way I was missing that, and the game turned out to be a compelling game. I suppose if it had been, you know, a mess... I might have turned it on, but I did not. Uh, and not that the preseason games matter for a whole hell of a lot. The Patriots won the game over Washington 22-13. to 13. Nobody really cares. Uh, but there are a couple of things opened some people's eyes. Uh, Raymondre Stevenson, uh, 127 yards rushing for the Patriots, including a 91-yard score with just over a minute left uh, that helped the Patriots uh, seal the victory in this one. Uh, but 10 carries for 127 yards. I, I get it, Nine of, 91 of them were on one play. But even still, uh, he was averaging close to four yards a carry on his, other, uh, uh, on his other carries. The other thing that opened some eyes last night, Quinn Norton, uh, three field goals for the Patriots, including a 50-yarder. Quinn Norton was undrafted out of the University of Michigan. Um, with the Patriots, regular kicker Nick Folk is uh, dealing with some injury issues. Norton was brought in, and he has looked really, really good. And you wonder now if Norton might be working his way into a job, perhaps. It's going to be more difficult this year because there's fewer preseason games because they added uh, some games onto the regular season. Uh, so there's fewer preseason games to take a look, but... Norton might have an inside track. The other thing people want to talk about, and I really don't, uh, is it going to be Cam Newton as the starter for the Patriots, or is it going to be Mac Jones, the uh, the phenom out of the University of Alabama? I mean, if you look at it based on last night, everybody said, oh, well, Mac Jones is the leader in the clubhouse to be the Patriots starter. No, he's not. 
Look, get this straight right now. Bill Belichick is who he is. He is not going to start an untested rookie as their quarterback on opening day. They re-signed Cam Newton for a reason. Cam Newton will be your starter, Patriot fans, on opening day. He will be your starter in game two. And he probably will be your starter in game three. Now, after that, if he lays an egg early in the season, would Belichick make a move? Yeah, but he is not going to start Mac Jones week one. Now, Mac Jones looked good yesterday, no question. 13 of 19, 87 yards. Uh, He looked confident. They ran the no-huddle offense a lot with him in there. He looked really good. Came on starting late in the first quarter. No doubt, looked good. But he's not starting in week one. Let's remember, this is a preseason game, which means absolutely nothing, and nobody is putting out max effort, and they're not going to show you everything that they have. So forget it. Cam Newton uh, had a couple of series, led him on a drive for a field goal, was four for seven for 49 yards, had a couple of passes that were brutal. You know, in some ways, he looked like the Cam Newton from last year. Uh, Look, I... I, Mac Jones is the future of this franchise, but not yet. Maybe by midseason, they pulled the plug, but not yet. So don't get your hopes up. Uh, only other preseason game last night, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers played the Eagles. Uh, Steelers won the game 24-16. Again, nobody cares. Dwayne Haskins, 22-yard touchdown pass to Anthony Johnson. Uh, he looked pretty good, yeah, and you know he's trying to beat out Mason Rudolph for the backup quarterback job, uh, who's been their backup for the Steelers for the last three years. Uh, looked pretty good, no question about it. Uh, ben Roethlisberger did not play for the second straight preseason game for the Steelers. So, uh, but don't you know? I mean, again, nobody cares. Uh, the only other thing people were looking at was the uh, the Eagles. You know, Jalen Hurts was, eh, you know, okay. But, again, it's preseason. You don't get too carried away. Everybody, of course, watching Nick Sirianni, the new Eagles head coach, only 40 years old. He just turned 40 in June. He's the youngest coach that Philly has ever had, youngest head coach they've ever had since Dick Vermeil all the way back in uh, 1976. And how about this? Uh, this is the first, not only was it his first NFL coaching job, it's his first game in charge at any level he's been a career assistant coach and somehow he got the eagles head coaching job so good for him i hope he succeeds hope he succeeds uh well, a couple other quick notes before we get out of here um some blowouts yesterday <laughs> the the brewers crushed the cubs yesterday 17 to 4 after beating them 10 nothing the other day uh uh, Luis Urias in this game tied a major league record. Five extra base hits in the game. Cubs have lost eight in a row and 14 of 16 uh, since uh, trading away everybody but the bat boy. You know, they traded away Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Craig Kimbrell before the deadline, and it's just been brutal ever since. And then after the game, it was announced that the Cubs also released uh, Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta, who came back to the Cubs this year after pitching for the Phillies for a few years, uh, in 20 starts this year, Jake Arrieta was 5-11 and 11 with an ERA of 6.88. Ouch. This is a guy who was the Cy Young Award winner with the Cubs back in 2015, helped the Cubs win the 2016 World Series, uh, their first championship since 1908, but uh, uh, just awful. 
I mean, his first stint with the Cubs, he was otherworldly, 68-31 and 31 with a 2.73 ERA. Uh, and throw, threw two no-hitters with the Cubs. But uh, after pitching for three years with Philly and not having a lot of success in Philly, he was uh, a 500 pitcher with an ERA of over four and 64 starts with the Phillies. Um, so it was just, uh, you know, it looks like it's the end of the road for 35-year-old Jake Arrieta as he gets uh, designated for assignment by the Cubs yesterday. Uh, the other blowout game of the day, the A's crushed the Indians 17 to nothing. Old uh, Red Sox friend Mitch Moreland, two home runs in this game. Chris Bassett, uh, his American League leading 12th win of the season for the A's in that one. That's going to do it for us here this morning. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with this is perfect song for a hot summer day. Here's some little big town in pontoon. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.